0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome, all of you, Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you? So let's talk some dynasty on episode number 224. We're going to talk about this free agent frenzy. Man, it's happened. It's the start of the NFL new year last week, and free agencies went fast and furious uh, to multiple different teams. It is one of the most fun parts of the season as a dynasty manager because the dynasty value of players just fluctuates uh, quite a bit. You know, when they leave teams, go but go to new teams, leaves gaps. You know, for other players to rise up, or people get crushed because now they've got competition. Pretty fun. And so I want to just do a really quick recap on as many players as I can. I'm sure that I'm going to lead off, leave off a person or two that I just forgot to mention. But I've got 20-something here just to give my real quick thoughts on uh, from a dynasty perspective. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. We'll start going with the quarterbacks. Derek Carr uh, lands with the Saints. Carr's so you know signing with the Saints uh, really didn't move the needle on his dynasty stock to me that much. I see it pretty much as just a lateral move. But the signing with a team, you know, to be a starter is better than many of the free agent quarterbacks that we can say, you know, point to in this offseason uh, class. So at least he's signed immediately to be the starter. Uh, we've got to remember that Andy Dalton did enough to keep Chris Alave as a Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, Carr kept Olave, you know, as a top 10 to 15 um, <laughs> dynasty receiver, you know, even after his first year. And so I think that Carr is going to do plenty uh, to keep that going. Then we've got uh, uh, Michael Thomas, who actually restructured his deal. And so Carr gets the chance to kind of try to resurrect the career of Michael Thomas since he restructured his deal. So that's pretty exciting. And then, of course, last year, uh, the Saints re-signed uh, also in free agency this year. They re-signed their own Jawan Johnson, who last year was the tight end touchdown maker who you know, made his living just by catching touchdown passes. So we'll see. I like the signing from a dynasty's perspective, really, for all the Saints. I think it puts them in a little bit better quarterback situation than they had last year, even though Andy Dalton statistically did surprisingly well from a PFS standpoint. But I think that uh, Carr can provide a lot more power for this offense. Next would be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo lands with the Raiders. Carr's you know departure to the Saints, and then Jared Stidham signed with the Broncos really put, you know, kind of a hole in and really put Devontae Adams, you know, end of his career dynasty status kind of in jeopardy to to see what would happen there until they signed uh, Garoppolo. Uh, The Raiders, you know, addition of Garoppolo does keep Adams afloat near the end of his, you know, career as a top tier tier fantasy productive wide receiver. I'm going to say more about this in a moment when we talk about some other additions and subtractions to the Raiders pass catchers. But Jimmy G, he's competent. Uh, he's enough to keep the Raiders offense moving and really allow Adams I believe and even Josh Jacobs to finish the season in the top 12 just like they did this last year I think he has enough if he can stay healthy uh, to do that again it's also true that the Raiders are still you know one of the teams most likely to add a quarterback in the draft you know which really could number Garoppolo's time as a starter but because they're not going to get one of the top two or three guys I think that what will happen then is they will be you know happy to let Garoppolo kind of mentor whichever quarterback they do bring in so Garoppolo's got a couple years here that he can help even if that means mentoring a first round draft pick next is Baker mayfield the guy just keeps staying alive somehow landing with the buccaneers mayfield was added to the bucks just on a one-year deal he's just going to try to compete with uh, Kyle Trask uh, given the draft capital you know and the and Trask in experience uh, draft capital meaning Baker's draft capital and Trask in experience I think it's safe to say that mayfield, it was going to really have every chance to win this job and start for the Bucks next season. Uh, unlike the Carr and Garoppolo signings, though, uh, which you know didn't really affect their pass catchers too much, I think Mayfield's does, and that means bad news for the productivity of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think he's going to make them, you know, not nearly as as attractive from a dynasty perspective anymore. Better than what you know they probably would have done with Trask as the quarterback, but nothing close to the riches that they had when Tom Brady was their quarterback, or even when Jameis Winston a quarterback, uh, the Bucs seem set on rebuilding a little bit right now too. So sadly for Godwin and Evans' managers, uh, Mayfield's, I think he's going to help them do that. He's going to help them rebuild. So uh, much disappointment if you own those pass catchers. Two other quarterbacks I'll just mention, back to back here are the same. Yes, he Taylor, uh, Taylor Heineke uh, with the Falcons and Kobe Brissett as the Commanders. So we know that Heineke and Brissett, you know, are very ex- you know limited, but they are experienced veterans who were signed specifically this time to compete, likely for a backup behind their second year quarterbacks and Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. But the Falcons and the Commanders, you know, we know that they'd like to see their second year men succeed, but they're gonna have pretty short leashes. And they've got these capable veterans behind them so long as the teams are still in the running, I think that there's going to be some spot starts by these guys, whether due to injury or even just due to performance. So Heineke and Brissett, you know, are going to start some games this season. The Falcons and the Commanders, you know, mediocre quarterback play has really limited the production of their pass catchers on their teams. Uh, this year could actually be much of the same given these second-year guys or these kind of, you know, career veteran backups. That said, of the four, talking about the two second-year guys, and Heineke and Brissett, Sam Howell's the one that I really think could elevate his team and make his wide receivers better. So that's going to be pretty fun to see. <clears throat> the three uh, others seem kind of bound to limit their teams, unfortunately, which is really sad, particularly... Uh, when you when you the factor in uh, the the weapons that they have on the Falcons and the commanders that could be so much better if they had a better quarterback. Next, let's move to the running backs. One of my guys, you've heard me talk about him so much, and I'm happy. Miles Sanders, he finally lands with another team in the Panthers. You know, as a Sanders truther, you know I'm thrilled to see him from out of the confines of the Eagles running backfield rotation that they have. As I you know spoke about a few weeks ago on the podcast, Carolina is where I most wanted Sanders to land, and that's where he landed. So since then, uh, the Panthers have also traded up to get uh, the first draft pick. We're gonna talk about that here uh, again too. But pairing Sanders, who I believe will be who they draft, will be CJ Stroud. Uh, I trust Frank Wright to use Sanders more effectively and to give him the ball more than the Eagles ever did. And so I've been higher on Sanders than almost all Dynasty analysts, that's for sure. That's why I have him on so many of my rosters. And I hope to be proven right now that he's gonna get a second chance with his new team. I'm going to say more about what this means for the Eagles' backfield shortly. Then another big, big play in the running back department was David uh, Montgomery. He landed with the Lions, who so he was surprisingly traded within his own division, and really was to, you know to take over that Jamal Williams role from last year, which was incredibly productive last season. We know Montgomery's uh, signing says everything that you need to know about DeAndre Swift. And his role in their offense, so much to the chagrin of Swift managers, uh, they've communicated pretty clearly what they think about him. They think that he can only become part-time back, and they want to run back what they did last year because it proved pretty effective for the offense. Montgomery's going to be their goal-line back, their short-yardage back, their running-downs back. Swift, you know, he's going to remain involved in the passing game, and he'll get the ball a lot. I think between the twenties, but I really like this landing spot for Montgomery. And as much as he was just kind of always under the radar, good, you know, productive fantasy player in his first contract, I think he's gonna produce more in his second contract than he did in his first, now that he's with Alliance. And speaking of the Lions, the guy that he replaced was uh, Jamal Williams, who actually landed with the Saints. So much to my surprise for my prediction podcast, Williams did not land back with Alliance like I thought he would. Uh, again, he was just replaced with Montgomery. But his situation, you know, could it definitely couldn't get any better than if he was back at Detroit. But I think the Saints are a very good second option and it's gonna prove pretty productive as well, uh, They're not to the degree, you know, of a record breaking, you know, season that he had last year with all those touchdowns. But still the Saints, you know, they're awaiting the league's punishment of Alvin Kamara, and now they have a reliable starter to take his place if Kamara misses time due to suspension. And then the Saints, you know, they've done this thing with two running backs and made them both productive. They've done this, you know, for a while now. And with Kamara and Ingram primarily, those were the two that were sharing the load. I think they can do it again with with uh, now Williams and Kamara. Uh, the Saint made this move. I don't think just because of the possible suspension of Kamara. I think that they want to start to limit Kamara's touches as he ages, and then his as he does his dynasty value is just going to continue to fall yearly, which stinks for him. I would not be surprised if Williams actually even scores more fantasy points than Kamara this season. The two should be you know neck and neck in that race. I think. So good landing spot for Williams. If not Detroit, Saints is a very good next landing spot. Then there's Samaje Perine. Uh, Perine signing with the Broncos indicates that Javante Williams' recovery will take longer than the team had hoped. Uh, the fact that the Broncos let Mike Boone and Chase Edmonds sign with other teams proves, too, that they like Perine much more than them. And so Sean Payton, you know, he's done it before, like we already talked about a minute ago with the Saints. Um, he's done it before where he has, you know, two effective and fantasy productive running backs Side by side, he can do the same thing again in Denver. I really believe that even after Williams returns fully, once he gets back fully healthy, I think Piron's still going to be a significant part of the offense. Uh, Piron's dynasty stock has actually started to rise and rise, um, you know, since he was first drafted by, back then they were the Redskins, right? Uh, amazing that uh, after such a huge fall, and that he's kind of come back up and has a little rising value right now. Ho- hooray for Piron, good for him. Next, we'll talk about two players at once. That's Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert for the Dolphins. Man, the Dolphins are crazy. Uh, They let Wilson and Mostert test the market for about a week, and then they decided to bring back the entire band back together again. They signed Wilson. They signed Mostert. They signed Salvin Ahmed. They signed Miles Gaskin. Crazy. Williams, you know, Wilson and Mostert, uh, they're going to be, you know, the one-two punch in this committee. Um as long as they're healthy, because they also get injured all the time. And so once they get injured, I think it would be Ahmed who's next up to be worked into the mix. And it's just going to be interesting to see. Uh, both Wilson and Mostert, I think they're going to have, at various times next season, like huge fantasy games. But it's just going to be hard to know when they will occur. Your best chances, if one of them's hurt, to bet on the other one. And so while, you know, some remaining with the Dolphins, you know, they are already kind of a middling, middle-of-the-pack dynasty value. Remaining with the Dolphins keeps their dynasty stock about equal, um, but they still are just one of those teams that just remains so, uh, uh, those guys actually that remain so uh, unreliable week to week, hard to know uh, what to do with them. Then there's Alexander Madison. He stayed with the Vikings. Madison also tested the market for a little bit, but then he ended up signing back with his own team, the Vikings, leading to a lot of speculation uh, that the Vikings may cut Dalvin Cook. And if they do, man, Madison's dynasty value will sharply rise, that's for sure, as we Todd Chandler behind him on the depth chart. Even if they keep Cook, uh, resigning Madison means that the Vikings plan to move on from him uh, more you know probably you know beyond this season. Uh, Cook is far better running back than Madison that's for sure uh, but he does struggle with injuries. If he does return healthy though I think taking him off the field is going to be hard to do once they're on the field but the Vikings uh, may you know have done this with a very uh, distinct purpose that they want Madison to be worked more into the offense to keep Cook healthy by not playing as much. So it's going to muddy the waters I think significantly. Dynasty Value of Cook has been falling and falling, and now I think this year we're going to see it uh, decrease pretty significantly. Bummer for me since I traded to, for him in a league where I was contending and got to the Super Bowl but couldn't carry it over the top. So uh, lessons learned. Older running backs, second contract running backs are rough. Speaking of second contracts, running backs. The last running back I'll mention is Rashad Penny, landing with the Eagles. Uh, he signed a one-year prove-it deal with the Eagles. And he does have much to prove, since he's battled injuries every single season of his career. Um, as I said already, the Eagles are a very frustrating team for dynasty managers who have their running backs on on their roster, uh, because they rotate them so much. Uh, Kenny Gainwell still under contract, and the Eagles actually re-signed Boston Scott, though he was on the free agent market for a bit. Uh, so the rotation, I think, is just going to continue. You know, with Penny in there as well, just like they did with Sanders. I try to sell high on him right now. If there's other managers that are more excited about the signing than I am, uh, someone will be. Someone's ex- going to be excited, you know, thinking that this is a chance right here. But man, don't trust those Eagles and the way they rotate them. Uh, that was pretty sad to have a couple shares of Kenny Gainwell and hope that maybe they just kind of ride through this whole free agency and uh, just go back with Gainwell and Scott as their backs. Maybe even Trey Sermon uh, getting some, some work. But. Adding Penny uh, kind of decreases the value of Kenny Gainwell. Limits his upside, though. I wouldn't be surprised if Gainwell significantly plays better than Penny because Penny will likely get injured. Let's move on to receivers. We've got a couple trades here on the receivers. There was DJ Moore who switched teams to the Bears. Of course, the Bears made that huge trade, allowing the Panthers to move up to the first pick in the draft um, after taking um, after you know also getting more. They've got two first-round draft picks and two second-round draft picks. Great deal, great trade. And while playing with many different quarterbacks and pretty bad quarterbacks sometimes, uh, D.J. Moore, you know, really was a steady but underrated dynasty asset in Carolina. Now he's going to get a chance to kind of build rapport with Justin Fields for many years to come, uh, which should improve his productivity and his dynasty value. Uh, Darnell Mooney, on the other hand, uh, I really think he's a bit suited to be a wide receiver, too. I didn't know if he could make that transition to being the wide receiver one for Chicago and couldn't really prove it last year since he missed a lot of time due to injury. But uh, seeing you know Moore and Mooney together, uh, really seeing them you know improve if they improve as Justin Fields improves, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Fields definitely made a massive leap from year one to year two, though most of that you'd have to be honest would say it was just with his legs. If he improves into year three, particularly improves as a passer, you know Moore and Mooney are going to be the two that benefit. I don't think this really hurts Mooney as much as some people would think, because he is better suited to be a wide receiver too. Yeah, and D.J. Moore, uh, just a, a slight uptick in his value, particularly in the sense of the long term now that he's paired with a good quarterback. Another trade that went down on Sunday was Brandon Cooks, traded to the Cowboys. As a Cowboy fan myself, uh, I was thrilled to hear that Cooks was getting traded, and particularly for the price. That it was just a fifth or the sixth round draft pick, um, and uh, Houston even paid for part of his contract. Uh, Cooks, you know, is definitely one of the most play- traded players of all time. Amazing. Yeah, but still, he's produced with every team that he's played on. And now he gets to do the same with the Cowboys, his fifth team that he's played for. But when healthy, you know, he's produced almost 200 fantasy points per game. There's games where he's years where he had not 200 per game, sorry, 200 per season. He's had, you know, 220 to the 190 to 220 range in almost all of his season, except for the two uh, that he won last year when he really just kind of, in my, my eyes, just kind of, you know, checked out, like didn't want to keep playing for the Texans. And then at the end of his last run with the Rams, and the Rams really just you know knew that they were going to get rid of him and didn't give him the ball as much. So I think there's good reasons why he's only had two bad seasons and expect, that with the Cowboys, he's going to come right back and be the wide receiver too, opposite of CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Cooks definitely lost motivation last year by not wanting to be part of a rebuilding team. Uh, This year, though, he's going to be very motivated to join a contender, albeit a very difficult uh, NFC. The Cowboys are always a uh, contender and have even made some free agent moves to help their team, Cooks being one of them. Those are the trades. Let's talk some about uh, some of the free agent wide receivers. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the guy that I thought was the best receiver available, he lands with the Patriots. At first, I wasn't very pleased with Juju landing in New England uh, because the team just, you know, failed time and time again to create fantasy productive wide receivers. And Mac Jones has really yet to kind of elevate those receivers. However, um, after considering that Bill O'Brien, you know, is the new offensive coordinator um, and that he had actually spent time with Jones, you know, when he was with him in Alabama, I started thinking that this offense is going to improve this year. I really think that it will. And so will Mac Jones. And I think then Juju is going to instantly become the wide receiver one and produce more than, you know, Jacoby Myers did last year. I think he's better than Jacoby Myers, and when Jacoby Myers, you know, even with the bad offense, finished 29th as the 29th highest scoring receiver in the league, uh, he was just seven points and seven spots higher than Juju, who was 36th and just scored seven points less than him total. Um, I think those could easily swap and move Juju back into not being a top three, you know, what good wide receiver three in fantasy, but back to being a good wide receiver two. Uh, we'll see. I'm putting a little bit of faith in Bill O'Brien, thinking back to what he did with the Texans. And thinking that he can become a better uh, NFL offensive coordinator certainly has to be better than the, the junk that they provided last year uh, w- with uh, the terrible offensive plays. Speaking of New England, Jacoby Myers. He left to become a Raider. Uh, Myers moves, you know, from being a wide receiver one in New England to being the clear wide receiver two in Vegas behind Devontae Adams. And this change from a wide receiver to one, wide receiver two, is a slight step down for Myers even though I do think he's going to have a neat role, you know, significant role within the offense. I have some concerns, though. Josh McDowell's. I feel like sometimes these these New England coaches do this where they try too hard to bring back former Patriot players on their team. So they've done this with Myers. They also added um, Jimmy Garoppolo, like we already talked about. And I just don't think it's going to work. You know, one healthy, which he wasn't last year, Hunter Renfro could easily outproduce Myers. And so this may be, you know, a decent move to help the Raiders, but I don't think it helps uh, any dynasty managers that have Myers on their team. I would have much like to see him stay in New England or sign with some other team. Then there is Alan Lazard. A couple more receivers here before we get to tight ends. Signed with the Jets. Of course, we may never know if, if this was Aaron Rodgers' list of demands for the Jets, including that they signed Lazard. Uh, but he signed a pretty big deal with the team. Um, his you know signing causes me a lot of concern for Elijah Moore, particularly his dynasty value. Uh, that is, unless more as part of the package deal that the Jets give to the Packers for Rodgers. That's what I really hope would happen. Uh, I can't imagine that Lazard is going to have a better year, you know, with the Jets than he did with the Packers last year. There's no way that Rodgers uh, could favor uh, Lazard over Garrett in this coming year. That would be really, really silly. Um, it's pretty confusing signing for me. I, I didn't like it because it mostly affects the dynasty value of Elijah Moore, and I would have loved to see Garrett and Rodgers. You know, Garrett. I would love to see Moore and Garrett with Rogers. That would have been so fun, so fun to see. But now we're gonna to have to wait and see what really happens if, if, what if this trade even goes through. First of all, it looks like it's definitely going to, once they find the compensation for it. But when they do, what role is Lazard really going to have to play? He's definitely not gonna, you know, play Garrett. But man, this would be really sad for my Elijah Moore shares. And we got Robert Woods, a couple old guys here to, talk, to round out the wide receiver. Robert Woods lands with the Texans, one of the first guys that was signed. You know, we know that Woods is far past his prime, uh, but he's one of those players, you know, to sign with the team. And that team just traded away Brandon Cooks, too, so it's even leaving more space for Woods to have a starting role, you know, with the offense. I think the Texans are definitely going to draft a rookie quarterback with pick number two, and so Woods will likely have to play out the end of his career with a young quarterback. Still, he's going to be, whatever quarterback they draft, is going to be an upgrade from Davis Mills for sure. Uh, Woods' dynasty value you know, continues to fall near the end of his career, no doubt about that. But he could get more looks with the Texans than he got with the Titans last year. His opportunities are really going to depend greatly upon what happens with John Mechie. If Mechie comes back you know, for his, his cancer treatment, is playing really well, can adjust quickly to the NFL, then uh, I think Woods will quickly lose time uh, to Mechie. And Nico Collins kind of taking over the, the, the main roles there. So we will have to see on that one. Uh, another old guy, finally, last receiver I'll mention, is Adam Thielen. Uh, beloved Viking, the beloved Viking Adam Thielen was finally let go by the team and then was later picked up by the Panthers, who you know also are going to have a rookie quarterback, like we already said. I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Our lad, actually, our lads, the website that kind of gives depth charts, uh, has Thielen listed as a starter right now, alongside of Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chenault. He could very well start for the Panthers next year, whose wide receiving core is one of the worst, one of the most unproven and inexperienced, I guess we could say. I'm sure that the Panthers, you know, are also going to draft a wide receiver or two in the NFL draft. Uh, Thielen definitely appeared to have lost a step last season and has been fading in the dynasty rankings year after year after year. uh, Even if he becomes a starter for the Panthers, though, I think his value is going to continue to fall um, this might be one of his last chances but yeah, 33 signed him to a three-year contract so it's pretty wild finally uh, let's talk some tight ends and mention three of them here going through these as fast as i can darren waller man the big trade to the giants waller got traded to the giants where he could become the top pass catcher uh, on the team possibly next season it's definitely a very crowded uh, group of wide receivers or pass catchers there but none that stand out uh, the truth is, though, that Brian Dayball didn't really get his tight ends highly involved in Buffalo when he was there, and then he didn't a whole lot last year in New York. I think he's going to have to adjust his offense to his talent and find a way to get Waller you know, to be one of the centerpieces of the passing offense. The Giants did re-sign um, Sterling Shepard, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton to play alongside Wondell Robinson, who's the only player that this coaching staff actually drafted. Um, so they've got a lot of weapons, but no proven superstar uh, Waller you know, gives them you know one more pass catch catcher to add to the mix, and he's definitely had the far better fantasy seasons than any of the wide receivers that they have on their team. Um, that said, I think Waller is not going to be able to produce to the level that he did. You know, those few incredible seasons that he had in Oakland were pretty awesome. Um, I think he's going to be you know kind of that top 10 to 15 producing tight end if he stays healthy, but I don't think he's ever going to get up into that top five ever again. Uh, he's past his prime. Um, can still help the Giants more than maybe he'll help dynasty managers Um, kind of a lateral trade you know for him as far as from a dynasty value standpoint Uh, sadly uh, the Waller addition crushes the dynasty value of Daniel Bellinger if if dynasty managers had him on their team you know because he did show some promise last year got involved in the offense literally was like a starter from day one Um, man sad to see when that happens you know someone gets traded that's the pain of free agency for sure then there's Mike Gusecki. uh, He landed with the Patriots. In my opinion, Gusecki, you know, was pretty wild. That he ended up staying within the division, uh, but he stayed with the Patriots, who've not been able to return, you know, those double tight end days of Rob Gardkowski and Aaron Hernandez. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. Seemingly, they tried to do that a year ago, a couple years ago, when they got Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, but Henry was the only one of those two that produced, and even then, really not up, up to the level that he did in his days in San Diego slash uh, Los Angeles. There's no reason to believe that Kaseki, <clears throat> I don't think, that Henry can become a good one-two punch for the Patriots of the future. I wish that uh, Kasekii had signed in, you know, a more tight end needy team rather than one that really does have a bona fide starter like like Hunter Henry. At least he's you know going to get used most likely as the as the move tight end while Henry plays more in line. I still think though, because of the crowdedness of uh, the ba- of the pass catchers there, he's not going to get enough looks to be a reliable fantasy. And uh, his dynasty value is going to start to drop as a result. As should Henry's because now he's got a little bit more competition for touches. So this move really helped no one from a dynasty perspective. May help the the Patriots. Does not help dynasty managers. Last one we'll mention here is Hunter, uh, or Hayden Hurst, rather, uh, signed with the Panthers. Hurst, arrival in Carolina, definitely uh, crushes the dynasty value of Tommy Trumbull, who appeared to have a starting role right before Hurst was signed. Uh, Hurst, you know, first-round pedigree. Earned him, you know, a pretty significant, the highest money uh, tight end signing so far. There's still some tight ends out there, including Dalton Schultz. But uh, this means that the, the the money that they paid him means that the, to me that this is his job to lose. And if you followed Frank Wright, he's historically targeted you know targets the tight ends a lot, so that's good. Uh, on the other side, though, we don't really know what's going to happen if CJ Stroud becomes their quarterback. We don't really know, you know, if their quarterback's going to be one that you know targets the tight ends. But as I already mentioned, Carolina's receiving core. Is one of the worst in the league, and so Hurst, you know, needs to get his fair share of targets to help this team. Uh, this is an excellent move for Hurst, in my opinion. I think makes his dynasty stock rise uh, quite a bit as a result of getting this new starting role uh, with the Panthers, who I think will target the tight end far more than Cincinnati did. So he's bounced around a bit. He's still got that first round pedigree, so he gets another chance. All right, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Lots of things happening. I'm sure that I forgot a few. Hopefully we'll get some good signings. And Next week will probably be much of the same. Maybe I'll actually talk about some trades that I've made this offseason. Next week we will see how much action takes place in week two of free agency. All right, that's a wrap for this week. My freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter. So contact me at dynastyfreaks. That's freaks with two E's at gmail.com. We'd love to chat with you about your uh, thoughts on the rookie class, the rookie prospect, and your thoughts on these free agency moves. Uh, talk about your rosters, whatever. Uh, reach out anytime. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.